Welcome to the Mitch Hank Show, originating four blocks from Wisconsin's capital. Mitch is the radio voice of uncommon sense. All sides of an argument are welcome here. Just be prepared to make one, as Mitch argues for truth, not victory. Politics, lifestyle, pop culture are all on the table. So get ready to participate on the Mitch Hank Show. Hello, boys and girls, moms and dads. Good to see you. I feel like you're my friends. We're here. It's a kumbaya moment. Uh, congratulations to Loyola. I love that story. We're going to hear from Sister Jean. And I, I can't get enough of S- Sister Jean in the days of Stormy Daniels. It's good to see Sister Jean. Now you think, who's it, Mitch? It's the nun who cheers on the Loyola Ramblers, the team chaplain. By the way, I hear this all the time. It's kind of bothering me. I don't watch after the Badgers lose. I don't watch because the Badgers aren't playing. You know what? The Badgers will be playing next year, so you want other people to watch. Uh, we have that. We have it Stormy. We have uh, Dr. Peace. I haven't had Dr. Peace on in a while. On the March for Our Lives, uh, he wanted to weigh in on that, on gun control. Call it gun safety. It always sparks, no pun intended, quite a debate. Hello, Dr. Peace. Hello, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm good. You are traveling about uh, throughout the Midwest, I take it? <clears throat> yes, I am. Uh, I, I, my second time to Minneapolis, I went to Gen Con 50 last year in honor of my old friend Gary Gygax. Oh, Minneapolis. I thought you said Indianapolis. Well, you're in Minneapolis. Indianapolis. Oh, Indianapolis. Okay, very good. Yeah, did I say it wrong? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. God didn't make little green apples. Remember that song? It it didn't snow in Minneapolis. It didn't rain in Indianapolis. I remember that as a kid. Anyway. I I can't believe that uh, uh, a city named after American Indians can be such a conservative state. Ah, well, my home state, by the way. Although you'd be happy to know, in the fourth grade class election, I voted for George McGovern. 31 other kids voted for Nixon, so I was the only McGovern vote. So how about that, you know? 31 to 1. Well, in in 66, in our high school religion class, the guy who later got elected uh, to the school council presidency uh, got hooted down for taking the dove position, and we had a bunch of hawks taking over the oh, class. Oh, Vietnam, yeah, right. Yeah, that was in 66. <laughs> Give them a couple years when they're staring at the draft, and it's a different story. Yeah, it was a little different, wasn't it? 66, didn't Time Magazine name General Westmoreland Man of the Year, that kind of thing? <clears throat> I'm just curious. Could have been, could have been. Before we get I into mean, the, yeah, yeah, the guns, I want to ask you about the Vietnam thing. Because didn't anybody care that they had the Geneva Conference in 56 after the French were defeated in 54 at Dien Bien Phu, and they promised elections in about, what, uh, 18 months or something? something. And Eisenhower, Eisenhower said, well, if they have elections, Ho Chi Minh will win 80% of the vote. How come nobody cared about that? I mean, they, they were supposed to have elections. Right? I mean, we. I guess we hated the... Well, we, we, we only want elections when it turns out our way. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, if they had elections, we could have avoided the whole thing. They would have failed at their little communist model and eventually sold Gucci shoes and Starbucks, as they ended up doing anyway. Oh, probably, well. would have, probably would have all unfolded quicker, too. I know. See, that's really a sore point. Anyway, now you're big on... You've always said that... Defense spending is tied to uh, 
peacetime? Is that your basic well, premise? Well, it's tied to pros- it's, it's, it's prosperity. Against prosperity. It's, it, defense spending means you've taken all those scientists and all that capital, and instead of putting it in the manufacturing sector where it can do some good and produce things for us, it's, it goes to this dead-end purpose, uh, uh, just sitting there in peacetime or destroying things during war. Yeah, but we normally don't appropriate $700 million, billion for manufacturing. I mean, we, you know, we, we spend well, it we, on... Well, we, we don't, but they would, hmm. but they, research, they go there. That's what happens. Every time we cut military spending, like under Kennedy in the 60s, and created the 60s boom, or under Clinton <clears> in the 90s, created the 90s boom, uh, every time we do that, uh, it... They automatically shift. It's uh, like I, I lived there in, in '82, and it was going the other way when the Reagan was building things up. And a friend of mine's son went from the low military spending state of Oregon to the high military spending uh, capital, military spending, Los Angeles, California. Uh, and he took a job, and that's what happened when you pulled all of those people out of all those good productive industries see, yeah. and put them into the military buildup. We had the highest unemployment rate since the Great Depression, and it still holds the record over the recent uh, recession. Well, I saw a report where we lost like 40 soldiers to bad training equipment like last year. The equipment was so bad, they died in training exercises. I mean, at a certain point, you have to have modernization of equipment and so forth, don't you, Dr. Peace? Well, you do, but do you want 40 soldiers dying, or do you want uh, 10,000 people being murdered? And cutting the military spending in half would mean you'd only have 5,000 people being murdered domestically. Because internationally, the higher your military spending, the higher your crime rate, the higher your murder rate. The higher your military spending, the higher the crime rate, the higher the murder rate. Yeah, look, look what happened when, we, when the Cold War ended and military spending got cut to half its share of the GNP in the 90s. The crime rate also dropped in half. The murder rate dropped So we in had half. more money to spend on domestic programs. So you're linking... Well, it, the, the, I mean, the economic growth rate doubled... Uh, everybody uh, had a job by the end of the '90s, and and we and 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 there was no need to, to commit crimes. Yeah, I thought uh, Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial complex, which would indicate um, Keynesian stimulus. Well, he warned us about the, the Keynesian stimulus is false. Military Keynesianism doesn't work. It has never worked. If you look at the record. Uh, every time you see a military buildup, like in the early 80s under Reagan or the early part of this century under Bush, you see the manufacturing jobs going down. Well, they always say that, uh, you know, that's what and got sharply. us out. They always say it got us out of the Depression, World War II. You don't buy that? or No, because we would have been out of the Depression uh, by 1940. If he hadn't goofed off and, and let the Social Security tax go in without compensating programs to keep the jobs growth up. And we, we, the unemployment rate was dropping 3% a year. It had a 25% start, so that's going to take eight years. Well, it jumped 5% in 1938 because they, 
because he mishandled the Social Security tax and didn't compensate <clears throat> for that by uh, compensating for the taxes by creating more spending. And if he had created more spending, we'd have been out of the unemployment down to 4% normal in 1940. We wouldn't have had to wait till World War II. Well, we had negative private investment until 1940, and of course we had 20% unemployment in 1940, but you're saying it's because we squandered we had it. Huge, we had huge productivity growth rate. We had a 10% growth rate, well, except not, for that yeah, one it was, year. It, it, wasn't private. it wasn't private. It was all driven by the uh, public expenditures, CCC, WPA. No, no the, the, the CCC was only 3 There's only a 3% deficit, but it produced a 10% Economic growth rate. That means seven. All right, all right. Well, that's fine. Let's go to the guns because we, we we started late to some technical issues. Um, yeah. What is your point about the gun safety stuff? I know the 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 fight politically is always that. Um, the well, law- I, I'm saying that guns guns are part of an issue, uh, but. You know, and, and it probably does make a difference. You know, the Bobbies in England don't carry guns and so forth, and they have a rock-low uh, murder rate. The cops in England don't carry guns? Yeah, really? they don't carry guns, except for around the Parliament. We saw them with machine guns when we were there. But yeah. no, they, they are unarmed. They have batons. Batons? Like wow, how about that? Yeah, they, they hmm. whack you pretty good. Well, I know the one guy... Nobody in the, Nobody in England is allowed to have a gun, and they're they're uh, they have a, a minuscule murder rate. Yeah, what about uh, pickpocketers and thefts and yeah, you can still, burglaries? You can still and, get a gun for hunting. Well, the, the crime rates and the murder rates are, are low. Really? Uh, it, it's kind of across the board. Okay, well, here's the question uh, for you. They're uh, more civilized than we are. Yes, is the well. one way of looking at well, they it. Have, they have 400 years of civilization. They have tea. To, are 150 or so. They have tea in the afternoon, let's face it. But uh, Americans, yeah. as you know, Dr. Peace, Americans love guns. I mean, we have, what, 300 million guns. People love guns in America. Uh, so what? how would you would you confiscate the guns? Who would do that, Dr. Peace? Would you well, go- I'm not saying that you confiscate all the guns, but you could... But they recently lifted the uh, prohibition against research and Stephen Mills of of Minneapolis, University of Minneapolis, a doctor up there, has researched this and noticed that gun households have five times as many gun deaths as non-gun old households. And so you're, so the gun doesn't defend you. It either helps you commit suicide okay. or, or, or kill another family member. I've heard all kinds of data on this going both ways, but the question is what are you going to do about it? Just ban these guns for future sales because that means you already have 300 million guns floating well, around. Let's, let's, let's just ban the assault weapons and have buyback programs in the cities and and have uniform background checks so you don't sell to the mentally ill and, and things like that. We can go a long way towards a little bit of improvement. And then in the long run, well, the long run, we're all dead. Is John yes. Uh, says. So, well, so let's 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 improve things a little bit while we can right now. Well, we got to go, but quickly. How do you define assault weapon? Uh, an assault. Well, an AR-15 certainly fits the description. 
uh, more deadly than the, the M16. I'm told there are a lot of guns, long guns, that are used for hunting that are more powerful. You don't buy that? By far. By far. By my, far. My engineer's a gun expert oh. says there are more powerful guns out there. It, yeah, but the magazine chamber needs to be restricted. If you're restricted to 10 shots or less, that's an improvement over a 30 shot or 50 shot or bump. I see. Uh, go, to, go to ten. Go to ten. All right. Well, Dr. Pace, I, I, I would go down to ten, and, and I would I would eliminate uh, future sales of these uh, AR-15s and so forth, and and anything that's a rapid fire. You know, you you'd have to define it uh, as too rapid. Well, it's still a, fire. a semi-automatic if, weapon. If you limit it, if you limit it to each time you pull the trigger, <laughs> then it's much more. Uh, well, it uh, is. It is limited to cause wholesale damage, like it does. Doctor uh, Bates, you do know that a semi-automatic long gun means you pull the trigger, you get one shot. I mean, you get yeah. one shot. Yeah, and that's why we. That's why. That's why you need to ban that. You need to ban that. <laughs> well, and, how can and you have how can you... one shot? One shot per trigger pull. That's what you have with a semi-automatic weapon. You have that with an AR-15 already. You've got one shot per trigger pull. It's not an automatic weapon at all. Unless you modify the sear, the, the trigger sear. Unless you modify it with some kind of a contraption, which should not be legal. Anyway, we uh, machine well, machine guns are not legal. But, Dr. Peace, we appreciate the time. Give us a website one more time as you seek world real, peace. Realeconomy.com. Realeconomy.com. Enjoy Indianapolis, Dr. Peace. Yep. Maybe go to St. Elmo's downtown have some steak. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Peace. Um you know, I'm I'm not really a big gun guy. I like to watch basketball. I haven't really shot a gun probably since I was an Indian guides back when I was nine or ten. They had Indian guides. We you know we do all these things and go hiking and and we shot at the summer camp. The old powwow. We had a right powwow. We had a tw- I, I shot a twenty two rifle. Yep. You heard of the twenty two? Oh, big time. Yeah. Do people still have twenty twos? Yes. And we had the target. Range right, and they had a little paper with the little target thing. Yeah, and I wanted to go for the clothes or the safety pin. They're not safety pin, but <laughs> clothes pin or what's it called? Get the whole target huh? that held the <laughs> target on the line. The clothes pin, mm-hmm. and I would try to shoot the clothes pin and knock the thing off the. Which you know, for me at age nine or ten, was kind of the fun thing to harder do. Shot, harder shot than the bullet. The harder shot, right? <laughs> but I haven't shot a gun since. And um, I, I don't think some people should have guns. I no. just, you know, I would. I'm much too manic for it. I mean, I. I'm in on the background checks and the shoot qualifies and the limited mags. But and I all did that. hear, like, yeah, no, cool. but I did hear somebody make a point, and they called in to a conservative radio show because in talk radio, that's all you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're on NPR. And somebody said it was a gun guy who said, "Well, there are limits." And of course, the talk show host, I think he was filling in for Rush. Didn't want to admit it. But the guy said, you can't buy a bazooka. (laughs) Can't buy an M16, right? Right. I mean, there are limits already. The government can regulate. Well, you can, but you have to to apply for a special license. Well, I know. You can't buy it over the counter. You can't buy it retail. Normal people, yeah. So aren't you going to say to be consistent intellectually? Wouldn't you have to say, well, then you have to be able to go buy a machine gun, buy a... Bazooka by a you know M sixteen. Why not? Well, because because what the government says you can't. See, I had somebody say, "Well, I don't want the government telling me what gun I can buy." They already do, right? They already. So it just drives me nuts. 
Um, we've got to talk about this. Uh, well, the first thing, we got Stormy Daniels. We also have this question on the census about are you a citizen? People are going nuts. States want to sue. Uh, it's a sore point. We'll talk about that in a moment. The Mitch Hank Show on MadisonTalks.com and Facebook Live. All-new Mitch Hank Show would like to thank our sponsors. We're grateful for their support of the all-new Mitch Hank Show. When it comes to telephone on-hold advertising, some commonly asked questions are, why do we need an on-hold message? How do we write a script? How long should the message be? How does the message get played? How much does it cost? I'm Bob of Abella Creative Services, and a telephone on-hold message speaks directly to your target audience while they're on-hold with your company. Continuously advertises only your business without the clutter of competitive ads and for just a fraction of conventional advertising costs. At Bob Abella Creative Services, we'll help you draft a well-written script, provide the appropriate announcer, music, course sound effects, and the studio time and expertise to put it all together. We'll also provide you with any special equipment you might need to play your on-hold message. Even though we probably have more experience than most other on-hold message companies, we'll cost you less. Let Baba Bella Creative Services stretch your advertising dollar with an on-hold message that provides your customers with real, actionable solutions to their problems. Baba Bella Creative Services gets results. Just send us an email at bacsgetsresults at gmail.com. That's bacsgetsresults at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Mitch Hank Show. Mitch seeks the truth by inviting all sides of the issue. Thanks for listening to the Mitch Hank Show. Welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed Brian Beebe's podcast today from 5 to 6 or so. 5, 10 to 6. We're a little late today with a technical problem. But hey, uh, the story about the census, you've heard that. They want to do the, the question on the twenty. 20 census, are you a citizen? States are threatening to sue. They're saying it would disrupt uh, families and so forth. People would lie and all that. Nick Congatis, did I get the name right, Nick? Absolutely. Is that a Greek last name? It is. You know, why are there more Greek pro golfers? I know this is kind of a non sequitur, but you don't see a lot of Greek golfers, Nick. Why is that? You know, oddly enough, I was on the golf team in high school. <laughs> well, there you go. You were one of the few. <laughs> Could have been on the tour and proved yeah. me wrong. I mean, you don't have <laughs> you don't have Jack Papanicholas, you know. I mean, although we do we do have George Papadopoulos, who's quite a famous guy. Uh, but, oh yeah, fellow Chicagoan. Ah, uh, well, happy about Loyola. Anyway, I'm wondering. Oh yeah. This question on the uh, the census form. Are you a citizen? First of all, if you're not a citizen, why would you say uh, no? I'm not. I mean, you wouldn't. Why would you? Why would you answer it whether it was on the form or not? Uh, well, are you asking me that uh, rhetorically? I mean, I mean the, the thing is, it's it's not illegal <clears throat> to ask the question. You know, the the no. California Attorney General uh, Javier Becerra, he says he tweeted that it, this move is illegal. But the thing is, it's not illegal to ask the question, but it's also not illegal to not answer it, as long as you answer the question of how many people are in your home. Uh, okay, so you don't have to answer that. It's not illegal to not answer. But if you don't answer it, how will the government tabulate your form? Are they going to assume you're not? Well, 
See, the, the, the intent of the census is in order to determine how many, you know, uh, members of the House of Representatives represent your state. Right. And, of course, California would sue over this because they have more, they have a quarter of the entire country's illegal immigrant They're undocumented. Okay, so here's the deal. Then will the government not count them as living there as a citizen if they don't answer, yes, I'm a citizen? Is that the point? Um, see, that I'm not quite sure on, just because of I know the only question you have to answer legally is whether is how many people live in your home. Well, I know, I know. The point um, of it is, what will they do with the non-answer? That's the only question that matters. Uh, if they're going to that, try to that, I haven't got an answer to yet. Okay, because because I heard somebody on the radio today saying that if you say uh, no, I'm not a citizen, then uh, you know that affects the, the, the Republicans' gain on that, and that they. If they say yes, I am, and you're not, I mean, how how would they? Well, the, the the fear is actually from the left that you know the the Trump administration would use if you actually did answer you know um, no, no to the are you a citizen right the, the Trump the, the the fear is that the Trump administration would use that information in order to mass deport people. Uh huh. Uh, I thought it had something to do with the voting rolls or the... Uh, you know, yeah, the, the Voting Rights Act. Well, I know, but you, you base your congressional districts based on how many people are living, how many citizens are living in that region, right? Well, so, well absolutely. Think of it this way. So they what, lose, what if you always... lose citizens, it's helping the Republicans. Is that the way it works? Because well, the Democrats want more votes. They want more bodies. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely so, they want more votes. Think... Think of it this way, though. It's, it's about power and money and, and basically disagreeing just to disagree with anything right of center. You have to think of it like this. There's $600 billion every year that gets distributed amongst the states based on population. Right, now, right. As I was okay. referring to earlier, the, the uh, estimated illegal immigrant population in California is around 3 million. Right, so it's high. That's about a quarter of the country's entire illegal immigrant population and more than the total population of 20 states and Washington. Okay, so if they answer they're not a citizen, they're not counted as citizens, and there's fewer people in that district seeking representation, so therefore it theoretically helps. Now, now the one thing I do know about the legality of, of that question is the one thing you can be prosecuted for is if you answer it falsely. If you are found out to be... Uh, you know, lying on the census form, there are there are penalties for that. Well, of course. So that's the thing. You're, uh, the complaint is you're going to lure them or set the bait for them to lie, um, and then they lie, and then you can deport them, right? And so that's the well. Um, well, the problem is I don't understand why uh, um, you know California, especially, is so up in arms if. You know, the law is that you don't have to answer every question besides that one. Okay, they but... could just do what they did, uh, you know, the Oakland mayor, who, you know, gave a heads up to all the illegal right, immigrants right, in right, the area right. to look out for ICE. No, I understand. But you if know, you... they could do this, they could do, they could, you know, uh, logistically do the same thing in this situation, unfortunately. Okay, so you don't answer, that's not bringing the law, but... 
Uh, wouldn't they look for you if you don't answer the question? I mean, wouldn't they sit there in a red flag? And then, and then, and, and we have to find, so. and we got to find out too if that means the government won't count you as a citizen if you don't answer. Right? Is that a fair question? Absolutely, it's it's a fair question. So you know, like like we said, this this determines how much money each state gets for the next. Right? No, I understand. I understand so. all that, but so, you know, people aren't going to answer truthfully on that, so they'll just not answer. No, absolutely or, yeah. not. They're they're not. Right. So they're not going to answer truthfully on that. It doesn't benefit them. Right. So you know that's part of the deal. I mean, you uh, you know, it's kind of like when a person's arrested for having cocaine in the car and the cops come and you always say, oh, it's not mine. Well, then they arrest you for possession with intent to deliver, which is worse. If you just said it's mine, <laughs> if you just said it's mine, there would be a misdemeanor. You know? so the, but that, <laughs> and it's what ruins these football players' lives because they go, oh, it's not mine, it's not mine. You know, Because yeah. they, they didn't ch- you know, talk to their lawyer or their talk shows before they were arrested. But in this case... Well, I mean, if people could stick to, you know, the truth... You know, or sticking to facts, you know, they might... Well, if you tell the truth, you're going to say, no, I'm not a citizen, so come and get me, or I can't be counted in the census for the congressional district. So the truth is no... Well, that's the fear. That's the fear. And what used to be, because this isn't... Let's not act like this is the first time that they're including this question on the census. Well, no, I didn't say they didn't in the past. I'm just saying why there's a dust-up. You know, I'm saying a lot of people in the country want accurate records and don't want illegals and so forth. But if you're going to cause them to say no when they can't say yes and so forth, they don't answer, then the next step is what are you going to do about it? And, you know, uh, apparently the California politicians are not helping ICE. They're not helping the uh, immigration officers. Fair to say? Absolutely not. It's a sanctuary state. Right. So, and maybe that's why California, I tell you what, you're too young, but California used to go Republican in races, and then yeah. they did that proposition. What was it? One eighty-seven back in the was it nineties? Pete Wilson, the governor, and they said we're not going to provide services for illegals. Man, ever since that, they've lost every race. So you know, oh, yeah. you can say, well, okay, fine. I mean, I remember they had a congressman uh, from Orange County. What was his name? He's like a guy with a beard. He's really good. He used to fill in for Rush. Um, Bob Dornan, yeah. And he lost to a Latina at, at the end of his career. I mean, lost to a mm-hmm. woman. So, I mean, California, I mean, Republicans just don't win now statewide in California. Well, well, no, and, and you you have to think it's probably because when they enacted that in, in the 90s, uh, you you saw that the Republicans didn't win anymore because um, the <clears throat> excuse me I lost my point here um, because the Republicans I'm sorry go ahead with the point I lost <laughs> no my I point. mean it, it it scared it scared Latinos and they had loved ones who were undocumented so the whole thing just blew up that's what happened yeah okay yes um, you know it's not illegal in California for an illegal immigrant to vote as long as it's not in a federal election. They can't vote in a federal election, oh, but I they see. can vote in a local election. Well, whatever the case, well, the statewide, uh, the governor race, I mean, uh, it affected that, too. And Tom Tancredo, well, when you remember Tom Tancredo, he was really, really tough on 
illegal immigration. He he went nowhere in that race. Of course, we found out he had illegals working on his basement. And of course, we had Giuliani. <laughs> that kind of kills your whole stand. Yeah, Giuliani pointed out that illegals worked on Mitt Romney's landscaping in one of his houses, and you know they don't they don't check. They can't check. I mean, the whole thing is just unwieldy, and there has to be some kind of a way to figure it out that makes sense and it, so forth. It's a broken system. Yeah, right. Uh, listen, uh, good to talk to you, Nick. You're from Chicago, huh? I I am originally from Chicago, the north side. Are you excited about Loyola? I am, and Sister Jean will be there. And uh, <laughs> I love Sister <laughs> Hopefully Jean. Hopefully they can go all the way. Hope so. Hey, Nick, thank you very much. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. All right, we'll come back with... Uh, this whole Stormy Daniels thing, man. Uh, don't know why I've got lipstick on my... No, Stormy Daniels. I had to do it. I couldn't resist. The Mitch Hank Show on MadisonTalks.com and Facebook Live. This is the all-new Mitch Hank Show. Need a comedian or MC for your private party or corporate event? Don't be shy. I can do it without telling any dirty jokes. In fact, when I'm not doing my Frank Sinatra tribute show, I've done stand-up at the comedy club and at private events for years. Whether it's a large convention or private gathering in your living room, I've done it. We all need to laugh more. The world can be even more stressful than it is. There's no business like show business, and I usually find those of you who have the best jokes about your coworkers at the company dinner. So feel free to contact me at 347-0374. That's 347-0374. Or email at info at madisontalks.com. That's info at madisontalks.com. Welcome to the Mitch Hank Show, originating four blocks from Wisconsin's capital. Mitch is the radio voice of uncommon sense. All sides of an argument are welcome here. Just be prepared to make one, as Mitch argues for truth, not victory. Politics, lifestyle, pop culture are all on the table. So get ready to participate on the Mitch Hank Show. All right, now, Stormy Daniels, man. Stormy, I, I saw the 60 Minutes interview. And I felt kind of grossed out. It was kind of, ew, it was kind of seedy. You know, you ever go to a bachelor party and they bring the dancers and you see the, the father of the groom in there, you know, having a beer. And then they bring the dancer in and they strip down. And you just, you feel just dirty and seedy and ugh. You ever feel that feeling? You're kind of crawling out of your skin. That's the way I felt when I heard that, saw that interview. I don't want to hear about Donald Trump getting it going with this porn actor I don't say porn star which are there porn academy awards I mean porn actress Stormy Daniels uh, Mark Levin called her S- Smoky Daniels I love the way they play dumb like they don't know the names uh joining me now is Curtis Hauk uh of the media research center hello Curtis Hey Mitch how How's are you going? are you my Penn State guy Yes, of okay, course. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, yes. they're in the finals of the NIT, man. We keep doing sports analogies all night, but hey, how about that? Yeah, it was a rough night. It was a rough season for Badger basketball, so I won't. You know. Well, you want to hang up on you now, Curtis, or what's the deal? I mean, <laughs> you, 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 I'm just saying, you guys, you guys have been to a final four recently, I know, so. I know. Well, I, I like your coach. So I'm trying to be nice to you, even though you couldn't return that. But uh, so you're here to tell me that the coverage. 
of Stormy Daniels. Now, granted, if you're watching MSNBC or CNN, I mean, it's going to be nonstop, right? I mean, uh, coverage. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So um, how much more is it being covered, say, than what? Are you comparing this to the Clinton sex scandals, or what are we mm-hmm. comparing it to? Yeah, okay. So we looked at March 7th to March 25th, so, you know, that was a couple days ago mm-hmm, uh, for mm-hmm. this study. Um they aired, it was a total of 40 minutes of airtime on the evening newscast of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Uh, and then we looked at each of the, you know, the women, Paula Jones, Kathleen Willey, and Juanita Broderick, you know, that made allegations against Bill Clinton. Right, right. So we got 40 minutes for Stormy Daniels, okay? Sure. So Paula Jones, 16 seconds on ABC. 16 seconds okay? total on ABC? Paula Jones? Are you kidding? That's within, all she got. Kind of in the sim- similar exactly. time, time, uh, a similar time frame, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it was fi- the the initial story came out in February 1994, and then the and there was nothing about the case until Jones filed a civil suit a few months later in May in 1994. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Juanita Broderick. Uh, yeah. Now, she accused then-Attorney General Bill Clinton in Arkansas in 78 of raping her, and that interview was on Lisa Myers on NBC quite late. I guess that was pretty late, wasn't it? Yeah, they, there was, you know, about when they filmed it. It was in the can versus when they showed it. But at the end of the day, the total was seven minutes on uh, NBC, but ABC and CBS skipped it in March 1998. Okay, and then we had, you know, did we ever cover, because I interviewed her, Kathleen Willey, you're too young for this, but she claimed that <laughs> President Clinton groped her in the White House parlor by the, by the fireplace. He just kind of stuck right. his tongue down her throat and groped her and all this kind of stuff. I don't recall that getting much coverage. Well, you are correct, Mitch, because we looked, again, at the same thing, you know, the, the news trickled out July 30th, 1997, about what you just described. 94 seconds total on CBS. And 94 NBC. seconds. And, of course, and in the case of, um, well, Jennifer Flowers was consensual, but, of course, he denied having an affair with her and, and had to admit in devastation that he did. So, but again, um, you're right. There wasn't the outrage. There wasn't the media coverage on these. I don't think a lot of people believe the women, if I recall. I mean, they were all saying that Monica was the only one that they— believed and the press was too hard on bill i mean it was a totally different dynamic as a young person it's really crazy to look at to watch some of these videos you know it's one thing you know some people like learn or believe something by just reading it you know the quotes but then to actually see the news clips of some of these journalists talking about these women and dismissing them like for oh example, yeah back in the Charlie day gibson said ABC. to Sam Donaldson about Paula Jones, why does anyone care about what this woman has oh, to say? Oh, yes, and he was an anchor, right? So, Well, for one thing, yes. they, they settled on that case, an $800,000 settlement for what it's worth with Paula Jones. But uh, the point right. of it is, you're right, nobody cared about Bill. Um, now here, and of course he was accused of, of assault in the White House of Kathleen Willie, accused of rape, Juanita Broderick. Trump was accused of assault by what 12 women he said that's not true when i say assault i mean groping or touching 
inappropriately. This kind of women have said that about Trump. He's denied that. Now, in the case of Stormy Daniels and the other woman, what's her name? The tall, good-looking one. Karen McDougal. McDougal. He has not said a word about those women, right? So it, it tells me he doesn't want to get a, a defamation lawsuit against him, right? I mean, that's what that's happened to, to Bill Clinton. Too. That's what happened to Bill. They went after him on land deal, and then they ended up getting him on sex because he lied about sex, so he committed perjury. If if Trump goes under oath and is deposed and lies about the women, boom, perjury. You know, right? That definitely has to be part of the calculus of, of, of the White House, you know, right now. But you know, again, what we're saying, you know, and I think it's interesting if you bring up the women who have accused the president previously before of sexual misconduct yes. versus Stormy Daniels. I think it goes to what you were talking about in your opening about the media's salaciousness and how interested they are. CNN sent a reporter, a print, like an online, you know, CNN.com reporter, media reporter, and a regular correspondent and camera crew to a strip club in mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. And they did an interview with her. And then the reporter dumped, you know, a couple well, interview with words Interview with whom? Describing her strip routine. Now, who is Stormy? Yeah, Stormy Daniels. Okay. And again, I think this goes to, you okay, know, okay. the media cannot help now, themselves. I think they let have a problem me, here. I understand your point about hypocrisy, but shouldn't we say in the, in the Me Too era that if a woman makes an accusation of this type, they should be listened to? And it, it's not that we shouldn't be asking these questions now. It's just that we should have asked the questions then. Isn't that the point? I mean, we, we shouldn't say, just because oh, Bill didn't get any heat, we shouldn't give Trump any heat, or we shouldn't ask tough questions. I mean, that, that would be... Right. That's what I... I think that's really important to make, and what a lot of my colleagues and I like to point out is that we, you know, despite what some people may think or have this kind of cartoonish image about a lot of people on the right... I am not denying, and I don't think my colleagues are denying, that Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal or, you know, whoever you want to put in here is not a news story. What we are simply doing from a historical Right, you're, you're saying that Bill got off the hook. No, that's a, it's a, you're right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's important. To no, it is. That you know, is we're important, not denying yeah. the question the facts. Right, exactly. We're just saying that, yeah. There wasn't a uh, women's march after Juanita Broderick accused Bill of rape. You know, I... I you know, my aunts didn't go to that march. There wasn't a march. I know what you're saying. Well, I, you know, actually, Joey Behar called Bill's accusers tramps on her show back during the exactly. campaign. He called them tramps. You know, and thank you, you very much, Joey. media columnist Margaret Sullivan saying it was a twisted version of The Last Supper for them to appear <sighs> in public together. Well, no, I understand. But you know, of course, what the never-Trumpers like Charlie Sykes say about this whole thing. Uh, they say that while Bill Clinton was being attacked for being a sleazeball, um, and now people give, give Trump a pass. So the same people that were on Bill Clinton from the right, who uh, were on Bill Clinton for being a sleazeball, now give Trump a pass. That's the, that's the never-Trump-a-Republican charge. Right. I think that's, you know, that's exactly what you know Charlie would you know say, and... You know, and that's up for people to decide. You know, what I'm saying is just, I think, you know, and the, and the argument that, you know, you can agree or disagree with what the Trump supporters are saying is a lot of what they took issue with with Bill Clinton is a number of allegations where, you know, if he wasn't president, he was an elected official. He was, you know, Arkansas Attorney General and so on and so forth. Um, you know, with government security details, you know, right outside the door. 
whereas right. uh, Trump was, you know, a businessman. He probably had no idea well, that he was going to run for president. I hate to you know? say it. I'm um, not saying that I subscribe to that belief, but it's just... Yeah. Well, Curtis, you know, I got news for you. Said. JFK had his fun, too, in the White House, and so did LBJ, and nobody covered that stuff in those days. Well, so. well they did. They were just kind of a wink nod and, you know, shake hands because they're all friends here. You know, right. that's what yeah. I find amusing about, you know, that post-movie, you know, talking about how they oh, died yeah, yeah, yeah. in Vietnam with Nixon when, you know, the real issue here was the collusion kind of the wink and look the other way not only in person, well ben bradley was ben bradley himself was having sex with his own reporters so he couldn't really say much but and he was friends with jfk so. yes he was yeah. yeah they were buddies i like jfk i should do his but he was also being shot up with adrenaline in the spine because of addison's disease which made him horny as a horse by the way which i, I hate to make excuses for him but you know it's part of the deal anyway curtis Thank you very much. Uh, is it yeah, me- no problem. Newsbusters.org. Hope you guys are, uh, doing well. Good luck with the Bindi Lions and the uh, basketball. And by the way, make sure those people fill those seats. It's embarrassing to see those empty seats on the basketball games. But should write a letter. It is so bizarre. Penn State and basketball were very beside ourselves. Well, it's when it's they really shots. it's really Weird. embarrassing. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Yeah. No problem, Mitch. Uh, Sister Jean is a celebrity. She's a bobblehead. We'll talk to Phil Sklar coming up on the Mitch Hanks Show on MadisonTalks.com and Facebook Live. Talk radio will never be the same. The uncommon sense of Mitch Hank has been unleashed worldwide. This is the all-new Mitch Hank Show. MadisonTalks.com is the home of Madison's most creative talk radio. If you have a serious gift of gab, you have stories to share, political, social, or religious positions to express, contact Madison Talks to have your own 60-minute weekly podcast recorded and posted for the world to hear. Have a new book to promote? Madison Talks is the ideal place to promote it. Fly solo or line up guests for your weekly live talk session. When your 60-minute program is finished live streaming, it'll be posted as a podcast to madisontalks.com for listening 24-7. Take your message to the world with madisontalks.com. Call 608-210-1667 or visit madisontalks.com. That's 608-210-1667 or visit madisontalks.com. madisontalks.com, looking for your creative commentary. Back to the Mitch Hank Show. Mitch seeks the truth by inviting all sides of the issue. Thanks for listening to the Mitch Hank Show. All right, we welcome Phil Sklar, the co-founder and CEO of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum, to tell us about the Sister Jean Bobblehead. In case you don't know, if you're not watching the tournament, which to me is an act of treason not to watch the tournament, to me, it's the best sporting event of the year. Hello, Phil. Phil hey, Sklar. How's it going, Mitch? How are you? Good. Hey, before we talk, why don't we? Do, I want a little Sister Jean fix here for the people at home who've not heard her. She's a ninety-eight-year-old nun, the team chaplain for Loyola. She got broke her leg in November. She's in a wheelchair, and here she is uh, after the game where they won to go to the Final Four. They beat uh, Kansas State, and they, the, the crowd, the reporters just gangled her with the microphones. Let's just pick up some of Sister Jean here. Hold on. I want to thank everybody who had part of this, and I keep saying, you know, um, 
be careful, San Antonio. The Ramblers are on their way. And I hope we continue. But we always do one game at a time. And so it'll be the next. We know what we want to do next. And the young man said to me the other day, Sister Jean, we broke your bracket. And I said, keep breaking it. That's okay with me. I did have a second bracket, bringing them to the top. So I called it my Cinderella dream bracket. So we'll see how, how far we go. But all of you have been very conscientious about your jobs, doing a good job, giving, giving great publicity to us. And I'm so happy for uh, Loyola, for my congregation, for the city of Chicago, and for the nation, we need something to boost us, and I think this is what is doing it because we are almost a Cinderella. I mean, she loves it, man. She loves the microphone and the cameras, Sister Jean. So, Phil, oh, yeah, tell me about uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's just a great, uh, lovable person that uh, everyone across the country now has fallen in love with. Uh, the Loyola community has known her for a long time, but it's just taken ninety-eight years for the rest of the world to fall in love with her. I think you cut off the piece about uh, go online and buy my bobblehead, but uh, from the interview with that, yeah, that was uh, (laughs) uh, no. But she's a great, uh, great lady and an inspiration for a lot of people. So it's great to see uh, her getting uh, all the this publicity and uh, shining a light on how great she is. Well, tell me how people can get a Sister Jean bobblehead. Yeah, so they can go on our website, uh, store.bobbleheadhall.com, and pre-order their Sister Jean bobbleheads. We just got the process. and all the licensing tied up last week, uh, Friday, and in five days, just a hour or so ago, we hit the 10,000 sold mark. So uh, it's been pretty remarkable. It's three times any uh, previous Bible that we've sold. Uh, we're going on four times that. Uh, Whoa! Say so uh, that again. You've, you've sold more Sister Jean Bibleheads than what? Four it, times more than any single bobblehead that we've sold in our history. So, right. uh, it's you know, amazing. We've sold 3, of a, yeah, 3,000 of a Clemson, the Clemson National Championship bobblehead, and you know, we're on our way to 12,000 sister jeans. So you're a national company. I thought you were just kind of regional. Are you in Milwaukee? Oh, yeah. We're looking for, uh, we have bobbleheads of people. We have the celebrity weatherman from uh, Canada, Nova Scotia, Frankie uh-huh. McDonald. Uh, wow. We're doing bobbleheads of... Uh, Anybody that we think is bobblehead worthy, and uh, when we heard Sister Jean, they're looking for a, a remake of her uh, original bobblehead in a little bit of a new style. We uh, jumped on it, took about a day to get everything wrapped up and on sale, and good thing we moved quick. And well, so she said, has done so well. she said, go online and buy a bobblehead, but of course she doesn't get a cash in. Isn't that the way it works? I mean, if, uh, does the subject get any money or no? Yeah, so uh, we actually structured this so that uh, the Loyola Athletic Foundation and the sisters uh, of, that she's affiliated with do uh, benefit significantly from the sale of the bobbleheads as well as Loyola. So uh, it is in her benefit, and she's she actually agreed to license you know to let Loyola decide which products and items that uh, they want to use uh, Sister Jean's likeness on. And yeah, uh, so good. It's very That's gracious good. of her to help. That's uh, nice. You know. The so, university she loves. Well, give me the website one more time for the people. Yeah, it's store.bobbleheadhall.com, and people can go on there. It's the first bobblehead listed. It's the uh, most popular. They're selling by the second, and uh, that's where people can go and pick up their pre-order their Sister Jean bobblehead. Store.home? Bobblehead. 
Paul, H-A-L-L, at BobbleheadHall.com. Well, I hope Loyola wins. I'm, I'm becoming a Rambler fan, by the way, so they play great yeah, basketball. Yeah, so is everybody else. It's uh, one of those stories that it's hard to cheer against them. You can't really uh, cheer against the underdog unless you are uh, the team they're playing. So Michigan you know, is going to have their fan base, but the rest of the country is going to be cheering for, for the Ramblers and for Sister Jean. Hasn't Michigan won enough? I mean, Michigan, come on. They've, they've been there enough. Yeah, they've. Yep, it's uh, time yeah. for some new uh, new blood. New blood, yeah. Well, exactly. Phil, uh, we appreciate it, and uh, good luck with the bobblehead sales. You know, thank you very much, Mitch. You, great, you, always great talking to you. Good, to, you know, divine vision on this. So you know, you're going beyond. Yep, and, yeah, and we just arrived at O'Hare on our way to uh, San Antonio to go say hi to Sister oh, Jane well. the Ramblers in person. Give her a hug for me. Oh, fantastic. Will do. I'll give her a hug and uh, tell her. That you're, everybody's hey, cheering for. Let what me know. As soon as you need a PR person, email me. It sounds like a fun job. <laughs> Going sounds, to the final four. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, have fun, Phil. Take care. Great. Thanks a lot. Boy, is that a job or what? By the way, and we're just kind of going over a couple of minutes here, right? It's not going to kill us on the commercials. Um, I would just say this. Oh, yeah. Watch my Roger Stone interview. By the way. We have a Roger Stone interview posted on MadisonTalks.com an hour. He thinks Mueller will indict President Trump. And he's a smart guy. Of course, he's known for dirty tricks. But, hey, he gave us an hour. He's a smart guy. He was responsible for taking down Elliot Spitzer in New York. He, uh, he might have been the guy that did the letter on the George Bush National Guard thing. I'm not sure. But people give me this. How do you talk to this guy? How do you give this guy the time of day? He's an interesting guest. I'm not going to interview saints all the time. What am I going to? I can't interview Sister Jean every show. Granted, I'd like to, but give me a break. This living in a glass house thing—it just really turns me off. I won't mention your names, but please, holier than thou. So, what am I going to do? I get a chance to interview—I uh, don't know—some notorious criminal. Kim Jong Un. Am I gonna, not going to do the interview because they're? <laughs> I mean, give me a, I'm only going to interview saints. Oh no. Uh, he cheated on his wife in 1989. I shouldn't talk to him. Give me a break. Yeah, he'd die for that interview. I maybe, mean, he, maybe literally. he who is without sin may cast the first stone. And some of the people that are on me about that aren't exactly uh, your Mother Teresa's. I'll put it that way. You know, one more thing, too. The Badgers signed Ty Strickland, a guard from St. Petersburg, uh, the son of Rod Strickland, who played for DePaul, played 17 years in the NBA. Great news for Greg Gard. He's going to have plenty of guards next year. And by the way, all the Badger fans who say, I don't watch the NCAA tournament because the Badgers aren't playing. When you go to the tournament next year, you want other people to watch. What, do we only want Badger fans to watch? Nobody else can watch. I mean, give me a break. I mean, open up your eyes. It's the best sporting event in the world, bar none, nothing else compares with this tournament. Nothing. I'm sorry, all the Masters is close coming up in a, uh, next week. Mike Brockeveld, thank you so much. A great engineer, producer extraordinaire. We thank uh, Brian Beebe, who's on before us. We thank Bob Keller for the space here on West Wash, uh, Washington Square, Tuscan Place, uh, Whitcomb Square, all these nice places. Uh, Washington Court, I guess I should say. Go to KellerApartments.com. That's KellerApartments.com. Bob Bella next with a wide world of radio, classic radio, 30s and 40s. You don't want to miss this. We'll see you next time on the Mitch Hank Show on MadisonTalks.com. 
and Facebook Live.